Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bibles or you have the Bible app, you can go to Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to be hanging out. Um, But before we jump into our text today, I did want to celebrate last week. Um, Last Sunday was our very first Sunday as a church, and it was launch Sunday. And I'm telling you, uh, I've had so many people reach out and text and congratulate and ask how it went. And here's been my response. It was an Ephesians 3.20 day. In Ephesians 3.20, it says that God is able to do more than what we can ask or imagine. And I asked and imagined for four years that God would do some big things last Sunday, and it was immeasurably more than what I could even ask or think. And so um, we had, yeah, we can clap our hands for that. And so here's the cool news. We had over 600 people at launch Sunday, which is crazy. Um, But here's for me, like the biggest, and I unapologetically celebrate this. And I would unapologetically celebrate this if it was one, if it was two. But last week, we had 42 people make a decision to follow Jesus. So we can clap our hands. Oh, come on. We can do better than that. Come on. That's some good news. Yeah. And so today, we're starting our our very first series as a church called I Was Made for More. And um, here's kind of the premise. Maybe have you ever thought, you know what, like... I was made for more than what my current life is. Maybe you had that thought at a cubicle. (laughs) Maybe you had that thought at that job that you had, or maybe it was, I'm not where I thought I was going to be. I feel like I was made for more than what my life actually is. I know I've thought that. I never, I never forget. There's a time in my life where I initially thought like, there has to be more to this whole life thing, to this whole God and church thing, there has to be more. And let's do our theme verse in John chapter 10. In verse 10, it says, this is Jesus talking. And he says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life. And I love this. I love this next part, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's Jesus talking. So maybe you've ever had that thought, man, I was made for more. And Jesus says, yep, you're right. You were made for more. And there's a life that I have. And what we believe is that when we see this verse, when we see that Jesus says that he came to give a more and better life, that Jesus is saying, I came not just to save you from your sins and make sure that you go to heaven one day in the future, but I came so that you can live the best possible life that you could ever live here on planet earth. That it's not just about eternal life, it's also about an abundant life that he wants to give you. And so over the next four weeks, we're gonna be talking because the Bible has a lot to say about what that life looks like and how you can live that more and better life. And so we're gonna be talking about that. We're gonna start today in Luke chapter 15. And this may be, for some of you, this could be a familiar story, um, but it's, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's actually a parable. So Jesus is, is telling kind of a story and it's probably his most famous parable. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 15. We're gonna start in verse 11. It says, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there 
he wasted all his money in wild living. Some of you are like, that was college. Okay, like that was college for me. That was, that's my testimony right there, okay? <laughs> he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, now it really is college. Now that this, <laughs> a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. And then it says this in verse 17, and I love this. It says, when he finally came to his senses. In other words, there was a moment where he was sitting there with all these pigs. I lost everything. And he said, I was made for more than this. And he says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. If you're, if you're taking notes, I would love for you to write down this message. Todd, I encourage you to take notes. It's easy, it's, it's easy for me, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to sometimes forget about what happens in here, and I need it on Monday, and I need it on Tuesday. And so I encourage you maybe to write down some things that God speaks to you. But here's, the, here's kind of our, our subject today. It's when the predictable becomes unpredictable. When the predictable becomes unpredictable. And um, I, I, I just want to tell you, church, like, I promise you, I'm going to give you my very best today. Um, I've spent a lot of time preparing and trying to hear from God in private so that I can come in public and share what I believe he's, he's asked me to share. And so um, I'm going to give you my best. And here's what I'm going to ask, is that we as a church that we're a lean-in culture. Meaning that anytime we get a chance to open up God's word, that there's this faith in the room, that we believe that God wants to speak to us, that I believe that each and every one of you are here for a reason. For whatever reason, you chose to be here. And I think God wants to say something specifically to you today. And so I don't want to miss it. And so I want to lean in today so that God can speak to us. How about you? Is that cool? Okay, let's pray. God, we love you. And we invite you here. We give you full permission to do whatever you want to do in here. And God, I ask that you speak through me. Give my words weight. And I ask God that every single one of us, that when we walk out of here, we're different than when we walked in. We love you and we invite you. Speak. We're ready to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Come on in. Everybody said? So have you ever felt like there's some things in life that are so predictable? Have you, have, you ever, have you ever experienced that? There's some things you're like, I just know without a doubt that that is so predictable. Maybe there's predictable people in your life, predictable situations. I know sometimes for me, there's movies that are so predictable. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Like you come in and it's a two hour movie and the murder happens within the first 15 minutes and you're like, I, I know exactly who did it. Like, and I have to sit through this two hours to know what I already have already predicted. You know, and my wife and I were actually talking the other day and we were talking about the fact that everything's a remake. Like there's no like creative ideas anymore in movies. They're all movies that are from like the 80s and 90s at the repackaging. It's like, I, I mean, like Predator. I know what's going to happen. I saw Arnold do it, you know, but back in the 80s, you know. 
Jumanji, okay? Like, man, Robin Williams is so much more jacked now, you know? And Beauty and the Beast, same story. Okay, you know, like, like it's very predictable. There's some movies that are. There's some dating relationships that are very predictable. Have you ever met somebody that's like dating for the very first time and you meet them and it's like the very first time you meet them and literally within that first five minutes, you're like, nope, that's not gonna work. <laughs> and then three months later, they find out what you already knew like within the first five minutes of their relationship, you know? You know, what about holidays with families? Oh man, holidays are coming, guys. Like, I know it's like, it kind of snuck up on us. It's, we're at the end of September and holidays are gonna happen sooner rather than later. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but holidays are so predictable sometimes. You know, it's the same people show up to eat the same meals, you know, with the same traditions and somehow the same exact gifts. Like you get the same thing somehow every year. And then you have the same fights over politics every single year, you know, like that's, that's just kind of, maybe it's my family. Um, but maybe sports, sometimes sports are predictable, you know. It's so predictable that the Bengals are going to have a fantastic regular season. Come on, 2-0, and going to be 3-0, and you know. They're going to have a fantastic season. We're going to make the playoffs. But it's, it's kind of predictable, you know, like, and, and, and then they, they, they may not win a game, you know, it's been 20, hey, in 27 years, that curse from the devil is broken in Jesus' name. This is the year we're going to go, okay? We got any believers in the house? We got to, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's a new day. Um, me, I'm a, I'm a very predictable person. Some of you, maybe you don't know me very well. Um, I'm a predictable person. I like routine. I like schedules. I like doing the same thing week in and week out. Like, I, I like that. I, I, I literally have had the same bedtime routine for 20 years. 20 years. I do the same exact thing every single, I, I, like about 10 years ago, I got on a vitamin kick and I started taking vitamins. I have not missed a day in 10 years. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I, I added up 29,000 vitamins that I put in my body without stopping, okay? <laughs> 29,000, that's a lot. And, uh, you know, like, there's some things in life that are so predictable. But in Luke chapter 15, Jesus shares this story that was definitely not predictable. It's a story that, that is often referred to as the prodigal son. And it's a story that I believe that every single one of us at some point can relate to in some way. You see a family that becomes a dysfunctional family. And a son goes to his father and demands early his inheritance. I want all the money that is owed me. I know that you haven't died. I know that I'm, it's not time for me, but I want it right here, right now. We don't know why. The Bible doesn't say why. We don't know that maybe he had some money problems. We didn't know what was going on in his life. Maybe they just had a big fight and this big blow up and it ended with him saying, I want everything that's, that's owed me. Or maybe he was like in a rebellious streak. We don't know what, what, the, what the issue was, but here's what we do know. We do know that in that culture, demanding to have your inheritance early was very unusual. And it actually was very disrespectful because it communicated in that early Jewish history that it basically said this, dad, you're dead to me. That it might as well that you are dead and give me every single thing. Essentially, it broke the relationship between father and son. So the Bible says that he took his money, that he left home, he did things his own way, and he got caught up in the wrong crowd, and he lost everything. He hit rock bottom. And then at his lowest moment, in verse 17, it says, when he finally came to his senses. 
At this lowest moment in life, he says, I was made for more than what I'm experiencing right now. And it was his, I was made for more moment, and he decides to go home. Now, it's really important for you and I to realize who Jesus was talking to at this time. Because if you go to the very start of Luke chapter 15, it actually explains before he goes into the story who Jesus is talking to. And listen to what it says in verse one. It says, Jesus was talking to tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And then it says that there's another group that's there. He said, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus is talking to both tax collectors and sinners and Pharisees and teachers of the law. In other words, Jesus is talking to both spiritual people and unspiritual people. He was talking to people that would have been all about church and then people that didn't really have anything to do with church. So he was talking to religious people and non-religious people. We get it. Like religious, and the religious people are very upset that Jesus is hanging out with non-religious people. But I love the fact that people who seemed furthest from God felt comfortable around Jesus. I love that. I love the fact that there was people that everybody in the world would point at and say, those people are so far from God, but they felt so comfortable and they loved hanging out with Jesus. And know this, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, see, because I believe that there may be some people in here that you're not to the point where it's like, I don't know if I buy into all this. We are so thankful that you're here. And I want you to know that you belong And that this is a safe place for you to come with your questions and your doubts and to kick the tires on this whole thing. You know, some of you, maybe that that you've been following Jesus maybe your whole life. And maybe you're here and you're like, is this, but yes, this place is for you. That it doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual journey. I think it's important for you to hear on the second week of our church that you belong. That you belong before you behave a certain way and that you belong before you believe a certain way. That every single person, regardless of where you are, you need to know right now from me that you are loved and you are welcomed here at Queen City Church. It's really important for you to know that. But Jesus is talking to these two completely like different groups of people that are hearing this story in two different ways. See, the religious people, the people that they call the Pharisees and the religious leaders, see, they would have known what's coming next. See, for them, it would have been very predictable. Okay, the son is going to go home and we know exactly what's going to happen because they knew Jewish law and they knew Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 18 to 21. Listen to what the Bible says. This is, they would have known this. They would have known that suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline him. In such a case, the father and mother must, be, must take the son to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. The parents must say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the town must stone him to death. Whoa. See, the religious people would have known that. See, but the non-religious people, see, they would have been on the edge of their seat. They would have had no clue what was about to happen. And so what happens next would be so controversial for the religious people in the crowd, but so life-giving for the non-religious people in the crowd. 
And what happens next is when the predictable becomes unpredictable. Listen to what it says in verse 20. It says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He waited, no. Said he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the, ca- kill the calf that we've been fattening. Kill that big one. Kill that fat one. You know, yeah, we must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is fi- found. So let the party begin. I love that. And so I want to share three things that the son experienced from the father that I believe that points directly towards what you and I can experience from God the Father. Here's the first one. Write this down. Undeserved mercy. The very first thing that he experienced was undeserved mercy. See, the Bible says that the father ran, that he took off from his house and sprinted to go meet his son whenever he saw him. And here's why that was such a big deal. Because in that culture, running, for a, like running was a no-no for grown men. Like grown men did not run. In fact, it was considered such an embarrassment. By running, he would have made a fool out of himself and his entire family. So why did he run? I think the obvious thing is that, you know, I'm running because I know that my son is there and I miss him so much and I love him so much. So I'm running after my son with everything that I have. But remember what the Jewish law said in Deuteronomy that required that that son, that rebellious son would be stoned to death and not, not like that, like, like, like with, with rocks. They would pick up rocks and they would, <laughs> church is fun, okay, you know. <laughs> but they would know that. And so I believe that the father ran because he wanted to get to his son before the community did. Because I want you to picture this. The son, dirty, after hanging out with pigs, decided to come home and he's stumbling home. He may not even have the energy or the strength because he didn't even have enough food. And so he's stumbling home. He's a hot mess. And the community sees this. And the community sees him walking home and they're saying, isn't that the son that was rebellious that went off? I think that's him. And so then they go and they start grabbing their rocks and they start preparing. But the father sees him, and he comes running, forgetting, not caring about what's proper or what's dignified anymore. And he's yelling, no, that's my son. That's my boy. And he throws his arms around him as to protect him and to cover him from the stones. And if the neighbors had started to throw the stones to the son, they would have hit the father who is embracing him. And see, like, He's saying, I I know the decisions you made, but I'll take his place. I'll take his place. I'll take his stones. What a picture of mercy. And see, it's important for you and I to even understand what the definition of mercy is. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And there in that moment, that son experiences this undeserved mercy that's not getting what you deserve. And it actually points to what Jesus did for you and I on the cross. See, Romans 3, verse 23 says that everyone 
has sinned. That, that's, that includes all of us. Everyone has sinned. We all. And I looked it up in the Greek. And if you really study the Greek of what that all word means, here's what it means. All. Okay, so all of us. Every single one of us. He's smart. He's, you know? You know, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And the simple definition of sin is just that we miss the mark. It's like an archery term. That means there's a bullseye and none of us hits it with our life. That nobody's perfect. We all mess up. We all sin. And that sin sin comes with very real consequences. In Romans chapter 6, it actually says, for the wages of sin, the penalty, the punishment, the price of our sins is death. That's what we deserve. But God loved you and I so much that he had to do something about it. And he sent his son Jesus to this earth to die on a cross to pay for your sins and my sins. And Jesus was communicating in this beautiful parable that if you come to God, your father, you're going to find undeserved mercy. Here's the second thing that he experienced. He experienced amazing grace. So first he experienced undeserved mercy, but he also experienced amazing grace. And I imagine if you read through that text again, you'll see that the son, he was rehearsing his speech, that I'm going to rehearse, this is what I'm going to say, I'm going to apologize, I'm I'm going to humble myself, I'm going to try to just be a servant. And he's rehearsing this speech over and over again, probably expecting the father to be angry to be disappointed, to put his finger in his face and say, I told you so, that you better pay me back for every single dollar that you spent. But before he can even get his rehearsed speech out of his mouth, the father says, let's celebrate. This is amazing. And the father immediately restores him back into the family and he extends amazing grace, which is so different than mercy. See, because if mercy is not getting what you deserve, here's the definition of grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. So mercy is not getting what you do deserve, but grace is getting what you don't deserve. And so instead of getting of what he deserved, the son got the exact opposite. He got gifts and a, and a big party. And what makes grace so amazing is that it shouldn't even exist. And by all human standards, the son deserved the worst He deserved to be punished. But I am so thankful that God doesn't operate on human standards. See, the son, he thought he was going to be be met with guilt, but instead he was met with grace. So instead of guilt, he was met with grace. And so Jesus wants to meet you the exact same way, that no matter what you've done, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus never meets you with guilt anger, disappointment. I told you so. You better pay me back. Instead, he always meets you with amazing grace. So undeserved mercy, amazing grace, and number three, instant relationship. The son found and he experienced instant relationship that even though he messed up, even though he made so many mistakes, My favorite part of the story is in verse 24. When listen to what his dad says, listen to the first thing he calls him. He said, for this son. I think of my sons and I think about there's nothing that my sons can do 
that would make me stop loving them. I could be separated for years. And if they came back, the first thing I would say is, you're my son. And he has immediately that relationship for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So let the party begin. And he found that. He didn't have, he didn't have to do anything except just come home. And he experienced instant relationship. See, earlier, the son, if you remember, he had that moment where he was sitting there, and he's saying when he came to his senses, when he had his I was made for more moment, when that happened, when he said I was made for more than this when he was with pigs, and in that moment, right there, at that verse, when his, when his father comes to him and says, this is my son, in this moment with the father, he found it. He found more. See, he wasn't missing the house. He wasn't missing money or security or position. He was missing relationship with his father. And here's the big thing that you need to understand. Here's the whole idea. So if you've been zoning out for the last few minutes, lock in, because here's the big thing that I want you and I to understand is that every single one of us, we were made to have a relationship with the father. Every single one of us. That it doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual journey, I believe that we were all made to have a relationship with the Father. In other words, we were made to have a relationship with God. Relationship, not religion, not rules, regulations, do's and don'ts, but a real relationship. You were made to have a vibrant, consistent, close, intimate relationship with God. See, I was made for more. It starts with having a relationship with God. It starts with knowing God. So how, how do I have a relationship with God like that? How do I have a relationship with God? How do I start that? What does that look like? You have a relationship with God like that through Jesus. See, we've already talked about the fact that God sent his son on the earth to die on a cross to pay for our sins, something that you and I can never do for ourselves. And trust me, I tried for a long time. I tried to save myself, and that just didn't work for me. And we can never do that ourselves. But the cool thing is, the awesome thing, is that the story doesn't end there. That he was buried in a tomb, but raised from the dead three days later, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Just for the chance to have a relationship with you. He wasn't even guaranteed to have a relationship with you. But he did it just for the chance to have a a relationship with you. But everything starts with a choice. Here's the key. You still have to make the choice to come home. That just like in our story, as much as the father loved the son, and you saw it whenever he came home, the son still had to make a choice to come home. And as soon as you do, as soon as you make the choice, I'm coming home, here's what you're going to experience. You're going to, when you come before God the Father, you experience undeserved mercy, amazing grace, and instant relationship. Now, here's the deal. There's three types of people here today. And um, every single person falls into one of these three categories. The first is people that have made the decision to follow Jesus and you're still following Jesus. You love him. 
You're following him day in, day out. I want to encourage you that today, in your response to this, go back to the day that you made that decision. Go back to that moment. See, for me, it was June 25th, 1999, on the back porch of Burton Bible Building at Lipscomb University. And there, with nobody around, I made this decision to come home. And I can tell you what it felt like because I was trying to save myself over and over and over and over again. And I was trying to fix myself. I was trying to get myself right. I grew up in church, but literally growing up in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in McDonald's makes you a hamburger. And I was trying to save myself. And in that moment, it's like I felt like I was in this pit. Have you ever seen those movies where it's like they're in a jungle and they're in a pit and the more they try to get out themselves, the more they would dig themselves deeper into that hole. That's how I felt. And I tried and I tried and I tried to get out by myself and I couldn't. And then finally I gave up and I looked up and there was Jesus right there saying, I was here the whole time. And he did what I couldn't do for myself. And I wanna encourage you, if you've made that decision, if you've made the decision to follow Jesus, go back to that moment for you. This is still your story. I really feel deeply that there's somebody in here that needs to hear that you never graduate from the gospel. This is never elementary, that we only go deeper and deeper into the gospel. You still can't earn it. You still don't deserve it. And now the rest of your life, I commission you to help others, other people experience what you've experienced. So some of you, that's you. Here's the second group of people. People that have made the decision to follow Jesus, but you've left home. You've made that decision in the past. Maybe at one time you felt close to God, but for whatever reason, you've gone off, you've done your own thing, you've lived your own way. And now you feel so far from God. And just like the sun, I've been praying all week that you would have a, I was made for more moment. That you would have that moment where you're like, hey, I've tried life my own way. And now I realize I was made for more than what my life looks like. And you today can make the decision to come back home. You won't be met with guilt. You will be met with grace. And today we want to give you the opportunity to make a fresh commitment to follow Jesus. And there's a third group of people that are here. Maybe you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're like me and you've grown up in church, but you've never made that decision. Or maybe you're brand new to this whole church, God, Jesus, what is this thing? And just kind of kicking the tires. Today, I want to give you the opportunity to make the decision to follow Jesus for the very first time. And here's what I believe. I believe it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. It's better than, it's a, it's, a, it's a bigger decision than who you marry, where you go to school, what you major in, or what your job is. It's the most important decision of my life, most of the decision of your life. So today you can make that decision. As soon as you do, here's what you're gonna experience. And you could experience this today. You could experience just undeserved mercy amazing grace, an instant relationship. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Every single person in here. I just want to ask that 
with every single one of you in this moment, this moment of privacy, just ask God right now, God, what are you speaking to me? What does my response need to be because of me showing up to this church today? Because we believe that it should always affect our lives. And so what does your response need to be? And we want to give you the opportunity to make the decision to follow Jesus to come home, maybe for the first time or to make a fresh commitment. So we're not going to point you out. We're not going to ask you to come forward or embarrass you in any way. But today, if you want to make that decision in this moment of privacy with nobody looking around, I would love for you that if you want to make that decision, maybe today for the very first time, or maybe like, I want to make a fresh commitment to follow Jesus. I want to come home. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up in the air right now? Just slip it up. Just slip it up. Just slip it up. Yep. I see you. Awesome. I see you. That's great. That's awesome. Anybody else? Yes. I see it. Yes. Proud of you. Proud of you. Proud of you. It's great. It's awesome. Thank you for your courage. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. It's awesome. It's awesome. You put your hands down. I'm just going to ask that if you raise your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you still want to make that decision. I just want you to pray this in your heart. Just pray something like this. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for defeating death for me. And today I repent for my sin. I take a step towards you. God, I want to come home. And I invite you into my heart. I give you my life. And from this moment on, I will follow you with everything that I have for the rest of my life. God, today I set aside guilt and I embrace your grace today. I'm all in with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 